will start the meeting today at 5.55. Is that local? Yes. Lorena Mellon? Present. Richard Harvey Jr.? Present. <clears throat> Lucy Angel B. Franks Walker and Tammy Wilsell will not join us tonight. Mark Smith? Here. Derek Turner? Here. Ali Yassin will not join us tonight. meetings with our team 
and those outside of our organization to make sure that we all have what we need daily, we would be absolutely lost without her. And just my personal uh, input is that I just appreciate all you do for our cab, Brenda. You're so faithful, and there's so much to be said for that. It's just, it's wonderful, and you're very deserving of this award. Congratulations on this well-deserved award. Thank you. Um, for, for, there's, some, there's lots of congratulations happening in the chat. And then also, um, for those of you who uh, like to watch the CEO chat on Wednesdays, Brenda will be featured along with oh, the nice. other employees of the quarter. They do have employees from the different campuses. And so Thank she's so our, our Fairmont Campus Employee of the Quarter. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Congrats, Brenda. Great job. That's coming from Cindy Lee, who's on our Zoom. We have Yay Brenda. And I think that one is from someone who is using a device. It's unclear if people are clapping about that. Congrats, Brenda, from, from Regina. Um, congrats from Stacey Fan. So deserved. Congrats from Lucy Casson. Thank you so much for those of you who are sending in chats to support Brenda as well. Thank you. Okay, good. I'm about to step away, but um, I just want to let you guys know real quick that Brenda, we're, you know, being out on the mobile health clinics, we're out on the island, and I can call her at any time. And she'll jump to me, all my requests, take care of paperwork, stuff that's not even in her, you know. Right. Realm of work, but she jumps to it every time, and she knows I tell her every day how much I appreciate her. So thank, thank you, you, and that's why I stay. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm having trouble with the screen broadcast. Uh, I'm wondering if you, with the board book, if you might have more luck sharing with me. It was working so well every other time, and now it's.
Um, can I get a motion now for, to approve the minutes? I move to approve. There's the actually two things in the consent agenda item. Oh. It's both the minutes. And the executed, oh. And you're, uh, you're accepting the executed 2023-24 yeah. recipient agreement. Just, just finalized one before um, the cat approved it in form. Right. So now it's, now it's all in a yeah. way. Okay. So um, we're going to uh, move on accepting the executed 2023-24 sub-recipient agreement um, along with... Uh, the approving the minutes. I make that motion. I second. Okay. I, will, I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Louisa Mallon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. Okay. Um, see we have another action uh, item we have a new person that's going to be coming to the board her name is Serena Clayton and she's applied um, turned in her application to uh, join the cab and do we have a copy of that here Heather mm -hmm. yes yeah. it's in your pocket oh it is okay so she can't. She's out of the. Uh, she's out of the United States right now. She'll be here next meeting. The um, subrecipient agreement is very long, so it's yes. pretty deep into your pocket. Um, I would say I'm getting to it myself. Right. Here, um, 
She was a court-appointed special advocate in Alameda County. Um, my first case was a 17-year-old youth who I supported through multiple group home placements, special education programs, and mental health services. I started my second case in 2013 with a seven-year-old girl placed with her grandmother. In addition to providing companionship and mentoring, I advocated for her special education needs with Oakland Unified. When her case was closed in 2017, I maintained an informal relationship with the family and continue to support this young woman today in her new foster care placement. My experience with CASA, C-A-S-A, has given me a close personal view on how our social service and educational systems, while staffed by committed, well-intentional people, are incredibly challenging to navigate and often fail the families and youth who need them most. Um, so that's very exciting that she comes with that expertise too. And then I'll read this last part on her. She, um, in 2016, she read a story in the New York Times about the horrific treatment of mentally ill people in French-speaking West Africa and the efforts of the leader of the St. Camille Association that sets up mental health treatment centers. Because I spent a year studying in Togo, I'm fluent in French and was interested in returning to visit West Africa. I thought I was well positioned to raise money for this work. After doing some digging, I got in touch with the Canadian organization that supports St. Camille, who put me in touch with some other Americans who had contacted them after the New York Times article. Building on this small group of a dozen volunteers, I launched a campaign called Treatment Not Chains, which raised $25,000 in a few months to support a new mental health center in Togo. My visit to the West Africa, my visit to West Africa to see the work of St. Camille showed me the profound humanity in reaching out to individuals on the street one by one and offering them hope. Although I had not intended this to become a permanent campaign, it attracted the interest of two American psychiatrists who have now taken it over, raised more visibility and funds. I continue to maintain the website for them. And most recently, I've, I have been attending meetings of the Homeless Advocacy, Advocacy Work Group and looking for ways I can help. I collected donations for some of the member organizations, participated in East Oakland Collective's Feed the Hood, and helped edit HAWGS Hog's five-point action plan. It was through Hog participant David Motorsbach with Alameda County Health Care for the homeless, that I received the application for the AHS HHC cap. So she was referred to David. That's wonderful. We all know mm -hmm. David. So, so the cap would like to make a motion. Yes. Make, any member can make a motion to nominate Saria Clayton for cap membership. I move to accept her nomination to the cab. I second. I will call your name for the vote. Please state yes or no. Loretta Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. 
great. Okay, item D, uh, we have our medical director report, Dr. Francis. Just, uh, maybe I'll take my mask off, it'll just be easier here. Oh, yeah. Just a few things. Uh, one, I just wanted to appreciate Lucia um, and her service, uh, even though she's not here right now. She was um, just really great member of the board for me um, because she worked in a safety net organization in San Francisco. I could kind of call her up and talk inside baseball and, you know, uh, keep her on the phone for a while. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Just, you know, get some honest opinions and thoughts, and, and she was super helpful doing that. And, also really, I think, um, did great in the chair role for a while with the board. Um, and so just I'm really grateful for her service and the cute baby she brought along to meetings sometimes, too. Yeah. Um, on Zoom. Um, and then I also wanted to share my appreciation for Brenda, um, who is just fantastic. And, you know, I think for me, like I often go to Fairmont and Heather isn't there and I'm in the office and Brenda is always she always like peeps through the window to see me there and make sure that I feel welcome. You know, beyond beyond getting so much done, as everyone alluded to, I think Brenda just makes our, you know, for me, she and I think for so many others, she makes our program feel like a family, like a community, you know, someone who, who really holds those principles. So I just really, I'm really excited to see her get this really well-served award, too. Um, so I just have one quick update, which you guys will hear more about, I think, as a formal agenda item in the future, but it's really exciting, so I wanted to just let you know that the Healthcare for the Homeless Commission approved the letter of intent for Alameda Health System to, um, to uh, provide our instance of EPIC to the County Healthcare for the Homeless Program for their program staff. You know, they do, they do some direct services, you know, street medicine and things yeah. like that. They're going to use our version of EPIC, which allows us really to kind of work together and collaborate in much deeper ways than we've been able to in the past. And I'm just super excited about uh, all the possibilities that it creates. And as I said, we, we'll get into a lot more detail in the future, but I wanted you all to know that that happened last week. So it's it's just a letter of intent. It was a public action by the, you know, uh, Health for the Homeless Commission. We'll follow it up with the deeper agreement and a lot more information here about what it's going to mean. But I think the, that deeper level of partnership is something, you know, we, we've already kind of stamped and, and we're yeah. really excited about it. I know that the staff are really excited about it. Yeah. Lucy's on on uh, video and could say a that's words wonderful. Too, that's, that's excellent. Oh, that's that's exciting news. Thank you, David. Yep. Is that all you have? For that's us? all I have today. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, action. We have an action item on E. Uh, we are finally going to approve the homeless health care center annual budget. Um, and the adoption of the extension. Correct. Yeah, and I believe Miss um, Meenan is going to be speaking, or no? Yes, yes. Elsa is here with us. Okay, great. Welcome. Hi there. Mm -hmm. um, my name is Elsa Benyman. Um, I'm the manager for um, in finance for AHS. Thank you for having me, and I will just give you a brief um, synopsis of what is um, what the action item entails. Um, so this is for the adoption of the extension of the Homeless Health Center annual CY22 budget and extend, uh, asking for an extension through June 30th, 2023. Um, the CAB had last adopted a budget in August of 2021 for CY 2022. During the preparation um, of the BPR for CY 2023, AHS was in the process of establishing entity financial statements, 
and systems for allocating supplemental funds across um, its entities. Homeless Health Center requested leveraging AHS's CY 2022 BPR and AHS 2021 UDS reporting to calculate its BPR submission to HRSA. Homeless Health Center also requested an extension at that time to allow more time to fulfill the requirement to pass an annual budget. The County Healthcare for the Homeless Program granted that extension. So staff is requesting that the CAB adopt an extension of the Homeless Health Center annual CY22 budget through June 30th, 2023. The revenue and expenses are prorated to accommodate the additional six months being requested. No changes were made to the capital expenses. Extending the budget six months will allow AHS and BOT to develop and process and propose a process for the CAB to adopt budgets in alignment with the July to June fiscal year used by AHS, um, beginning with fiscal year 2024 um, and moving forward. We believe this will allow the CAB clearer oversight of health center finances. Um, in view of the foregoing, we hereby recommend that the co-applicant board extend and adopt the operating and capital budget for homeless health center CY22 budget through June 30th, 2023. Any comments, questions? Okay, set up. Before we move. This will put us on the same cycle as everyone else now, right? It will move us away from the cycle that HRSA usually expects reporting from. So that's the calendar year cycle. Okay. But it will put us on the same cycle as Alameda Health System. Right. Um, right. And that will allow us to participate better, I think, in the budget processes that Alameda Health System uses. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we've had some informal conversation with the county. They'll have to formally approve this after, you know, if you all decide to approve as a conflict board, then the county will also have to uh, approve it, I think, um, for at least with regard to the documents that we have to submit to them for them okay. to make the HRSA report that they submit because it will the shift some of our yeah, timing around the HRSA application. That they they submit stuff directly to HRSA, right? We submit it to them to submit and they, to HRSA. Yeah, yeah. But I do think even for for them, I think it will provide um, more insight as well, and, and you know, into the processes at Alameda Health System and better better influence over um, over our participation of the budget process in, in Alameda Health System. Right. Seems seems to me as if we're stacking the deck here like the waters or something because I mean um, you guys got some some pretty uh, vast experience coming to this board and I was listening to uh, the governor talk about he was very interested in in uh, helping to pursue homelessness and mental health. And I think that that's a that's a big plus right there. So, I mean, I think he's I think he's running for president. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So this is, this is very interesting to see how this comes out because hey, the Warriors win with Steph Curry and you know Thompson. You know, yeah. I don't like this. And Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think it's relevant in that the. 
we're, we're right now, our timeline is mostly aligned with one funding source, which is HRSA, approved a letter of intent for Alameda Health System to, um, to uh, provide our instance of EPIC to the county healthcare for the homeless program for their program staff. You know, they do, they do some direct services, you know, street medicine and things yeah. like that. They're going to use our version of EPIC, which allows us really to kind of work together and collaborate in much deeper ways than we've been able to in the past. That's wonderful. And I'm just super excited about uh, all the possibilities that it creates. And as I said, we, we'll get into a lot more detail in the future, but I wanted you all to know that that happened last week. So it's, it's just a letter of intent. It was a public action by the, you know, uh, Health for the Homeless Commission. Okay. We'll follow it up with the deeper agreement and a lot more information here about what it's going to mean. But I think the, that deeper level of partnership is something, you know, we, we've already kind of stamped and, and we're yeah. really excited about it. That's I know that the staff are really excited about it. Yeah. Lucy's on, on uh, video and, and could say a couple that's words too, potentially. That's, that's excellent. Oh, that's, that's exciting news. Thank you, David. Yep. All have That's all I have today. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, action, we have an action item on E. Uh, we are finally going to approve the Homeless Health Care Center annual budget. Um, and the adoption of the extension, correct? Yeah. And I believe um, Ms. Neenan is going to be speaking or no? Yes. yes. Also, but is here with us. Okay, great. Welcome. Hi there, um, my name is Elza Benaynan. Um, I'm the manager for um, in finance for AHS. Thank you for having me, and I will just give you a brief um, synopsis of what is um, what the action item entails. Um, so this is for the adoption of the extension of the Homeless Health Center annual CY22 budget and extend, uh, asking for an extension through June 30th, 2023. Um, the CAB had last adopted a budget in August of 2021 for CY 2022. During the preparation um, of the BPR for CY 2023, AHS was in the process of establishing entity financial statements and systems for allocating supplemental funds across um, its entities. Homeless Health Center requested leveraging AHS's CY 2022 BPR and AHS 2021 UDS reporting to calculate its BPR submission to HRSA. Homeless Health Center also requested an extension at that time to allow more time to fulfill the requirement to pass an annual budget. The County Healthcare for the Homeless Program granted that extension. So staff is requesting that the CAB adopt an extension of the Homeless Health Center annual CY22 budget through June 30th, 2023. The revenue and expenses are prorated to accommodate the additional six months being requested no changes were made to the capital expenses. Extending the budget six months will allow AHS and BOT to develop and process and propose a process for the CAB to adopt budgets in alignment with the July to June fiscal year used by AHS, um, beginning with fiscal year 2024 um, and moving forward. We believe this will allow the CAB clearer oversight of health center finances. Um, in view of the foregoing, we hereby recommend that the co-applicant board extend and adopt the operating and capital budget for Homeless Health Center CY22 budget through June 30th, 2023. Any comments, questions? 
outside of that challenge, is there any other additional challenges with this extension? I don't think so. I'm curious, Elizabeth, do you think so? I mean, we'll still have to produce some calendar year reporting. I mean, we, I mean, we can, if, if, if we need to do it, we can certainly do the reporting. That shouldn't be difficult. Heather, based on your experience, is that something you would agree with? So that 
they can actually like strike a box that showing which dates and dates this they believe are coming. And what we would do is we would aggregate those before the next meeting and find out which were the most popular times and dates. And then from that point, when we meet next time, we'll actually look at the most popular ones, uh, the ones that have got the most votes across the aggregate. And that way we have a, you narrow it down to a couple of choices or so that would that allow people to feel the most comfortable voting on it as a whole. Yeah, so that, that would be a great way to do it, but unfortunately, as a public board, we have to abide okay. by the Brown Act, so you can't look like the cat, the cat can't make a decision outside of this public meeting. Oh, um, okay. I think we could come up with, with, with this group which times might work best, or if this time is good for this group. Um, and then we can get input individually, maybe from other cat members about times and then the next meeting. Okay, well, if it has to take longer, that's fine. I, I don't mind that. I was just thinking of a way it's that a would make idea. it easier yeah. for us to, to, to write at the best choices that people would, you know, that, that most, most represents most people's desire. If the responses from sending these out to find out people's availability are only going to Brenda, but not to anybody else, just to provide the data, is that in conflict with that? Because the idea would be all we're getting is data and then coming back to the next group to say, here's the data. I think that's called wheel and spoke. You okay. still get a meeting when you have one central person gathering the data. Okay. But I think maybe what we could do is put these times, I guess, in the next meeting agenda mm -hmm. and then discuss those here. Okay. So then everyone has them laid out. Does, does anyone that's here this evening have a, a problem with the time that we have right now? I personally don't. I like the time we have. I'm, I'm available at any time. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm more fixed on being a Tuesday nights like we've been doing. Just kind of memorial. That's just the beginning. So, so I prefer not to change if I, if I if I can avoid that. And it works okay for you, Richard, with work and yeah, uh, evenings work best for me.
in the last eight months. Our sixth operation, both hips, a couple of times, both hands, now she's going to take a cup. And I'm just whooped. You know, I'm trying to do that, but I am totally whooped. And, and actually, I'm trying to, I want to uh, get on the uh, Santa Clara. The Santa Clara's uh, mental health system, but I can't because I'm just torn. Just running, just running. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get it. So, but I like, I like 6 o'clock. I like 5.30, 6 o'clock. Evening is good. Do you like the day, Tuesday? Tuesday's great. Okay. And David, I guess for us, all the time that we presented all work for staff. Okay. Okay, great. Hey, too, Kayla, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. I think up to this. So it's all like the board members have spoken on this or applying the current time frame. Yes. So we will wait till the next meeting to make that final. We'll have we'll have two other people. But there's no change. There's no action. Right. Okay. Right. So right. so if there's no change, there's no action. We maintain the same calendar. And if someone wanted to make a motion to or propose that we're changing, then we would have an action for that. Okay. And then it would become an action. You item. know how um, the our current time slot affects our other. Three people. I know that um, for Tammy, we may lose her as a member if the time stays the same because she won't be able to get here in time. So this is where it does become it becomes impacted. Can I ask another question? Mm -hmm. That might might make some people happy, maybe some other people not so happy. But what about this? What about allowing people who want to? actually zoom the meeting like they've been doing for the last two years I guess the brown if yes. if if coming up with a day and time actually works for them in terms of being here in person oh however based on legal front I would I would imagine that would be a brown act problem too yes, yeah. yes. okay Never mind. So, I caught myself this one. <laughs> I think we should push it back 30 minutes. You're making a decision, you mean? No, push our starting time back 30 minutes. So it's instead of 5 6 o'clock. Will that work? Oh, instead of being trying to be here at 5 30, be here at 6? Be here at 6. Start the meeting at 6. So, you know, for. for um... Yeah, given the, given the average start time, thinking when we were on Zoom, which getting close to between yeah. 530 and 6, so that makes sense. Yeah, and if it's if it's going to um, help Tammy, if we're all in agreement with that. I know that she wasn't able to stay on the meeting. She's not in the meeting now, and I can check in with her on yeah. that. And then um, oh, that are you, are you can add it. Then I will say this. I, I'd be more than happy to, uh, even though it doesn't affect me time-wise that much, because my time is very flexible. Uh, I'm willing to go at 6 o'clock if we stay Tuesday. I'll say that. Okay, so the nice thing is if we schedule for 6 and then that meeting, we can okay. make a motion for all meetings moving forward to be at 6. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <I got laughs> so now, <laughs> the agenda will have all the information. Right. Yeah, and then at that time, too, if I hear from Tammy that even the 6 o'clock 
is still problematic, right. then even if we have it on the agenda as an action item, you can vote it down. Right. You can vote the change down. So we can okay. put it on as an action item to change the, date, the time to six with more information, then you can just choose not to vote to change it to six. And so you'll leave the, both of those options yes. open for you. And uh, you'll check with Ali. I'll check. I'll, yeah, that's not a spoken. I just want to make sure I'm not spoken of in it. Yeah, I know. Lots of terminology. Um, um, yeah, we'll just put it up. We can put it on the agenda. Okay. And members yeah. The folks yeah. here, the folks not here are by definition not a forum. So we should be able to collect input from them outside of the meeting, right? Because we have a quorum here. Mm -hmm. So we should have less than a quorum that aren't at the meeting right now that we can do additional. We can do the same element. Of yeah, I think we can run what was discussed here by them, right? But then the action of determining whether or not it's going to be six, like that's that's going to be, be at here. the next meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think there's any help. So I think Heather can, you can do whatever <laughs> we'll you can to talk with everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be in the minutes of the meeting, right? And yes. So this will be in the minutes. That information would be provided right. to them anyways. So right. Okay. Great. Good. Good. Sounds good. That's Okay, Heather, okay. Um, Part G, you're up. Okay, um, so annually we do what's called a self-pay report. Um, it lets you know uh, how many patients are self-pay within our homeless health center. And for context, uh, in the analysis of your memo, we did. I, I did provide some information about the um, difference between last year as compared to this year. Do you know what page that is, Heather? It's page 90. 90. Page 90. So, um, for, so this is for calendar year 2022. We had 132 individual patients experiencing homelessness who were identified in self-pay at the time of service during 195 encounters. And comparatively, in 2021, when we did this report the first time, there were 278 um, patients who were identified as self-pay. Um, most of the encounters were taking place at Mobile Health, where they're identified as self-pay. And at Mobile Health specifically, we block all um, bills from going to patients. So even though somebody's identified as self-pay, and in theory there is a charge related to it, no patient is ever billed for that, and that becomes uh, something that's covered by Alameda Health System. Heather, can you tell Epic that too? <laughs> because Epic has randomly been sending bills. I don't know if you know that. I never used to get bills. I get bills now. Um, so this is specifically for patients experiencing homelessness, and and from the mobile health clinic, those bills and statements do not go out at all. Okay. Um, when we've had some time, sometimes there's been a changeover where a patient, if, if they had had a bill, we they bring it to us and then we do research to find out why that happened. That happened at the very beginning of the launch of EPIC a few years ago, and we were able to resolve that, and we haven't had any patients come back since uh, with those bills. And part of the instruction, at least for mobile health clinic, is to uh, inform patients that any time they do receive bills to bring them to us so right. that we can research why um, they come out. But as far as anybody else's receipt of bills and statements, those aren't pulled back the way we do. These are this is specific to seen on the mobile health clinic. And then there will be other places within our system where that system might also be developed and not um, provide bills. For example, the Bridge Clinic 
based on the work we did in the homeless health center for mobile clinic the bridge clinic was interested in doing something similarly for their patients and i believe that they have at this point developed that so that their patients also don't get those statements um in 2022 we had uh there was a balance for self-pay patients of 316 dollars and 24 cents and i did just make a note that at least one of the patients had a four dollar balance on their on their account and that represented the the sliding scale fee had been applied to them. And so it was good to see that evidence there within our homeless health center population. You'll see the chart specifically of those encounters identified as self-pay and those 149 that were with the mobile health van. And when you see this ZZZ do not use, I'm just gonna clarify that there was a point for Epic in which all of those clinics were switched kind of from one place to another place as they were changing cost centers. And so it was just a mapping issue. So the ZZZ do not use means that that was a visit that happened before March of 2022. And after March, it was it would have been identified as a different clinic. Um, it was mapped differently. So I just, I know that that could look confusing to see something called a ZZZ do not use. It, it was where patients were in Epic before March, and then where patients were in Epic after March. And so these were all those ZZZs were all pre-March of 2022. And the clinic wasn't named that then. Um, and then just a little bit more about the amount. So the ones that still had balances were in the um, Highland Adult Medicine and the Women's Services Clinic. It's possible those will still get um, uh, balanced out by the organization. So written off, they'll, they'll be written off by the organization, but these are the ones that were there at the time. Uh, can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, on, the, on the chart where it says uh, balance of homeless health encounters identified as self-pay, the adult medicine clinic is uh, 107.85 and the high women's services clinic is 28.39. Uh, mm -hmm. um, is, is the reason that it's higher uh, in the women women's um, area is because uh, more women avail themselves of the service as opposed to, to men? No, not necessarily. This is just the number of people identified as self-pay and, and how much, how many people had a balance. I mean, it, it's representative of, I have to look back at the specifics. I think it's about five patients total. Uh, and, so, yeah, it's, it's, and so those are sums of amounts. That's not like that's not representative of one patient in the adult medicine clinic or two patients at the women's services clinic, um, but there are sums of whatever the amounts were based on the service. Like I mentioned, one of them is a four dollar charge. I'm not sure which, where the four dollar charge is, whether it's the medicine clinic or the women's services clinic where the um, sliding fee scale was applied. Okay. I didn't like I did drill down at the time, but I'm not. I didn't keep it in my brain <laughs> three weeks later. Sorry, um, okay. but it is more than one person. There's more than one person in there, and it's just kind of high level. I'm just curious. Um, so later on in our in our presentation today, though, you'll see utilization, and you will see how many patients are using women's services as compared to. Well, we I think we have primary care. I don't know that we have it broken down, but we could bring back you know how many patients experiencing homelessness are in each of these specific. Uh, departments, but these are both Highland primary care departments. Okay. So usually it's all primary care, right? Like it's, we don't usually break it down that.
specialty clinics aren't in here, huh? They would be if there were charges related oh, to this. They just didn't have any. I mean, so in the past year, there's been a lot of work around self-pay patients within our, um, with our financial counselors. And so they've really worked the self-pay patients to clear those charges, enroll people for Medi-Cal or whatever yes. other uh, service they're eligible for. So really what I think this represents is the work by the finance team on on drilling into those self-pays and really finding out what's going on for each of those patients and why they have this outstanding balance and, and working to, to get it covered by, by insurance. Because a lot of times when I even run the self-pay report, what I find out when I go in is, you know, there's a lot of, notice how many people there are and how few dollars are associated right, with it. Right. So these are people who are identified as self-pay, but they yeah. don't have balances because by the time it gets further down the road, they yeah. have their Medi-Cal applied, but at the time of service, they were self-pay. So it's still going to come up on my report as right. they were self-pay right. at the time of service, and then, but now, no, Medi-Cal took care of it, or yeah. Medicare took care of it, or somebody else is taking care of it. Right. I was just going to say, it really, it's really good. It's really impressive. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. How does it compare to last year, Heather? I can't remember. Um, so if you scroll up, um, last year we had 238, so it's, it's almost half. <laughs> Medi-Cal or something else. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of times when 
they're not that's the relationship is only just getting established so yeah and if they do use county services don't they have to have an actual physical address really uh, I, I'll go ahead. I, I was going to say I, one thing I, I've ex experienced in the past that I've seen firsthand is um, a lot of um, homeless people who need medical treatment, want medical treatment, sometimes will deny themselves medical treatment um, simply because they don't want to be put in a position of having to sign for any kind of insurance because they because uh, some actually even refer to medical insurance as Big Brother. Like, you know, I'm being watched or I'm being, you know, I'm being put into some kind of silo uh, and, yeah. you know, for some nefarious reason. It's, and, of course, it's not true, but a lot of homeless people believe this. And as a result, uh, some, will, some will actually deny themselves medical uh, attention simply because they don't want to be pigeonholed into this being part of some bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah it's so a machine, as they call it. Right. That, that was true also with our immigrant population. There was a real no. problem of you know, thinking that they were going to get deported if they yeah. received medical help. So. I, I only bring it up because it's something I think that we should, as a board, to think about in the oncoming future as to ways and means we might be able to combat some of that. Now, demystify the myth as it were. Yeah, you know, there, there might be some strategies we could come up with that would make it even more comfortable for them to be accepting of, of getting medical insurance. I don't know what that would. I don't know what that would entail. I think that's a great item we can add to the next agenda. Um, but I think it's going oh, a little sorry. bit beyond because the topic is self pay analysis. Right. Um, I'm but sorry. If if you want to direct staff to add that to next month's agenda, I think. Okay. I think it's related uh, to the data elements. So if you go scroll back to the data on the screen that we can see, the top four locations are mobile health, adult immunology clinic, which is our HIV clinic, which has multiple mechanisms for serving people who um, are not insured or have, or have something messy with their insurance status. And, uh, and then the substance use disorder clinic. Those three clinics are all together, still probably less than half the size of the adult medicine clinic. Mm -hmm. And yet that's where we're actually seeing people who are self-pay because that's where the barriers are lowest to getting into our system is what I think. And so I, I think it really actually relates to the point that both of you guys were making about how, how this data relates to what it's like to get into our system, what it's like to establish trust, to be able to overcome a financial counseling visit as a way as a way to get into the system. I don't think it's an accident that the places we actually get self-pay folks in are in the places where we have specific mechanisms to overcome financial barriers. Yeah, I, I was thinking about, um, this has been many years ago, you, most of you know my story, but during the brief time that I was homeless and I had to come, my first encounter with Alameda Health System was um, with a, a financial counselor to put me on health pack. And I didn't, I was staying in a hotel, I didn't have a physical address. And um, I remember the counselor saying to me, we have to put something down. You know, you have to have some kind of physical address. I, I don't even remember what we did. 
he made it work, you know. But I, that's why I was asking, is it still the same? That, that you know, for Medi-Cal and for Health Pack, you have to have an actual physical address? I don't believe so. Because that, that was my experience. I know that frequently what they would do, if there's a requirement for a physical address, they put the Alameda Health System's address on okay. 1411 East 31st, yeah. and we would, get, we would get letters all the time for our address. So there's different... There's different ways that we're using an address within the patient file. And in some cases, the patient experiencing homelessness and they have homelessness as their address. That's one of the mechanisms that Alameda Health System use, uses to prevent bills going out to patients. Like that's one of the things right. that helps them stop that the system is built to make sure some people are yeah. people are identified and not burdened then by that regardless. So we didn't we didn't have Epic at that time either. Yeah, it was pre so yeah, it was a lot different. Yes, I'm not sure. I guess I know that that we have a lot of patients seen in our system that don't have that we put in either homelessness as the address or are putting Alameda Health System as the address, and those are signifiers within our system to right. prevent certain things from right. happening yeah. electronically. That's good. Okay, is there is there an H? Mm -hmm. Well. Yes. Only your your favorite monthly report. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there. There it is. I found it. Thank you. All right. Uh, so this is our our program report. This is where we look at our utilization and sometimes other things. Um, you'll see there we have no updates related to compliance or program requirements, and then we have our utilization report. And um, you'll see our. This is again twelve months of time of patients that we're seeing. Um, and we're always roughly in that 3,000 mark, 3,200, 3,400, 3,500 unduplicated patients as patients come on and off of our registry. This is how they're added. Um, how I'm, how we're gathering this or putting this chart together is using the homeless registry. Um, there's your Highland primary care, your 972 patients in the year. Um, these are, again, uh, unduplicated in this department. And then you see our Highland specialty our Highland Urgent Care, our dental and oral surgery, the Substance uh, Disorder Clinic, Eastmont, the mobile van, Hayward and Newark, right? And that's for a whole year, all of the patients identified as homeless during that time period. If you go to the next page, you'll see that over time, these patients, when they're being seen, so now they're broken up month by month, for those last 12 months that we reported above. Okay. So substance abuse uh, is the green. What, do you green. notice something happening there? Yes. <laughs> and we'll certainly have our partners from the Bridge Clinic uh, come and talk to us again. Yes, um, that would be great. Yeah, it's going up. It's going up. This is an investment in the program, in the infrastructure of the program. Yeah. So, so it's not surprising to see that there's um, an increase, and that's about making those services available and reducing those barriers. It is not necessarily about there's more people who need the service. It's that more people are coming in. Yeah. Okay, and what's the... the um, the uh, urgent care is kind of going down. Yes. Okay, so the urgent care is another one that um, 
does some funny things for us sometimes, and that's related to the COVID vaccine clinics also happen in urgent care. And so some patients were coming in just for their vaccines, which caused a spike in uh, the utilization within that clinic. And now that uh, vaccination is more routine, and um, then, then we're seeing it be more just the urgent care visits and not vaccine related. Isn't that, is that the orange one, the third, which one is it's it? It's yellow. Urgent care is yellow. Yeah. So it's down oh, at the bottom. Got it. Got it. Okay. The, 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 I didn't see a corresponding color for the, um, the, the yellow looking line at the top. Um, is that, or that's orange. So the orange one at the top is Eastmont. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, they're oh, not in or, uh, this, on the side. I'm so sorry. The ones on the right-hand side are not necessarily in the order that they're falling as you go down the okay. chart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that would re- require me to rearrange it every time. That's a, that's a lot of effort. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a question in the chat around whether the slides will be shared, but we can just stop to remind people that they're available publicly on the Alameda system website. Um, if you go to the About Us Homeless Health Center tab. Correct. You go to About Us on www.alamedahealthsystem.org, and then you hit the Homeless Health Center, and you'll see um, all of our meeting minutes and board books are available for you at any time. And if you're internal to Alameda Health System, you can also leverage an email to the fabulous award-winning employee of the quarter, Brenda <laughs> And she will also probably be happy to shoot you a copy of the board book yeah. because she's always gotten it ready. Okay. As we move along in the presentation, you'll see that now we're not on duplicated patients, now we're on the number of visits. How many times you come to see us? How many times patients come to see us and you've got your primary care? They're in the top with the blue. Um, the magenta is our specialty. And then again, just letting you know the urgent care, substance uh, use, dental, mobile health, and behavioral health. And so this is also about the type of care. And this is also across the across the different sites. So primary care, that's going to include Eastmont, Newark, Hayward, Highlands specialty here across all of those places. And then the final one for our data shows again those numbers uh, over time, over those 12 months. And as always, we like to give you the latest up to date. Um, And I probably have even more new since this was initially written. Okay, so um, the main new things of note, uh, and to remind you that, uh, for example, I was covering orthopedic, dental, podiatry, and renal wellness centers, and most of that ended, um, the ortho and uh, podiatry ended in January, and now dental and uh, oral surgery is scheduled to end April 7th. 
Um, the January responsibility shifted because we ha had a contractor who was available to serve in that role as practice manager. And for dental, um, the position posted for the dental practice manager recently as well. So they're getting ready to begin the process for hiring for that position. Um, and Damon, any updates? Uh, this, this was made when our meeting was two weeks ago, and I feel like so much has happened since then. I'm sorry I didn't update this section. but I think you all have had uh, the chance to meet Terrence Fitzgerald-Shaw, who may now be on the... Um, on the Zoom, I'm not sure if he's on the Zoom, but he was the, uh, remains the vice president, uh, or now his interim role and permanent role have switched. So he was uh, vice president for patient care under the nursing leadership for ambulatory and um, serving as the interim chief administrative officer for ambulatory at the same time. We've since had the hiring process for the full-time chief administrative officer of ambulatory and Terrence is now in that role. He's been hired permanently in that role. He's remaining with some covered responsibilities in his former nursing role, but um, presumably will be, will be hiring for that role soon. So Terrence is really now the lead administrator for, um, for uh, all of ambulatory. So I report to Portia, and then Heather reports up to Terrence in the, in the Alameda Health System structure. I, I report to Holly. But you report up through Terrence's through line. Terrence, yeah, yeah, that's true. Through Terrence's line. Um, so that's really important in terms of how it works. And um, usually Dr. Mack um, or, and or, doc, and or uh, Terrence will be at this meeting. And you know we'll have a chance to work with them more collaboratively, I think, on the budget this year. Um, I think they'll be part of that process of thinking through the connection between the homeless health center budget, the ambulatory budget, and Alameda Health System, and how those all fit together so that you all can influence, you know, your priorities through the system. Um, I I remain the interim medical director of New York. That's my that's so my update on that. That's that's the only thing you're doing extra. Uh, that is the only thing that I'm doing extra, and um, we should have an update about that hopefully next next month. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. That's very I'm good. Hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> and of the extras. I've learned so much from being here and it reminds me of my days as a commissioner with the Berkeley Mental Health Commission. So I'm looking forward to attending these more and, and supporting as much as I can. So Regina, thank you. Will you share your, your title and a little bit about your role with the Co-Applicant Board? Yeah, sure. So I'm Regina Simpkins. I'm a behavioral health community health worker as well as the co-lead in the Chow Expansion and Development um, Committee and subcommittees that are taking place right now 
we are looking at ways to build the infrastructure of community health workers. And as I was sitting here, I was looking at those stats and thinking, wow, are you guys referring people to us, to some of the childs and some of these clinics and departments and ways that we can support uh, some of the efforts um, for, um, you know, for the homeless health clinic as a whole. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm also a coach. I do a lot of trainings out in the community as well. So just, just happy to be here and support however I can. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Lucy, was there anything from you today? We can just call out our public by name. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. No, nothing for me. I just, yeah. I just, it's always, I just always appreciate being here, um, the discussion and just the progress. I didn't, I was cheering as you talked about the self-pay for the, this has been something that, as that Heather has put so much time into making. So these numbers are small, but it really, really matters. So it's, it's just great to see where we are now and to be here and listen to that tonight. Thank you, Lucy. Um, anyone from the um, board want to say anything? I will. Okay. Congratulations, Brenda. <laughs> um, I think everyone kind of echoed the same thing. It's just when you get that call and you see that number pop up for your phone, you know who it is. <laughs> I don't know if you does, but I also try to have a conversation, try to make sure you're well because you're being stretched thin, and I appreciate all that you do. Um, and Damon. This is a great thing about Epic being used across the board. Um, it's it's going to give us an opportunity to be able to look at the data on a wider scale besides Alameda County Health Systems. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's you know I'm a data guy, so this oh, is Epic really is really this is, is really really exciting, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for you know the expansion of Epic. Yeah, definitely. I'd like to say something about Brenda that I've said in the past, but I'm going to repeat again, is that uh, if it wasn't for Brenda, a lot of the times, I don't know if I would make it to these meetings because half the time when she calls me, my head is always somewhere else, you know, and she brings me down to earth and she goes, okay, you know, the meeting's at this time and I'm expecting you to be there. And I said, oh, I, I will, I promise you I will, because I always think in the back of my mind, if, if I don't, if I don't show up, I'm going to hear from her if I don't show <laughs> So I make sure to show up when she tells me to be there. And um, and she's great in, in following up and making phone calls and checking in. And um, it's very invaluable to me because I don't know if I could do it without you, really. So I really appreciate that. I really do all the time. In fact, um, she was very instrumental in getting me here today because she made sure I got a, got a ride and was able to get here and and, and my right nature of the right came and got me at the right time and so you know I I owe a vote of thanks more than a vote of thanks for that. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just shift um, the interpretation. I'll just say Steph Curry, how about that? <laughs> so Steph Curry is a valuable part of the team, right? And when I came on, Brenda welcomed you, 
and she welcomed me open arms, and it just it just felt right, and it makes me feel like something is going to happen with this group of people because uh, as I, as I feel everyone's heart is there, and that's when things happen. Remember, magic happens there, you know, when your heart is there. It's easy to do things when your heart is there, you know. And I see when his heart is there, well. Shoot, Steph Curry's heart is there, right? <laughs> but, but that's when things happen. I didn't say it right Okay, so so um, I think she, I think she's a valuable part of this team, and that's that's what that's what we need. Us start the clock on our butts and see exactly what we need, what we need to target and what we need. To do. You know, kids are um, coming up. Um, I don't know want to commit suicide because they don't have, you know, a hug or um, inspiration or, you know, the sight scene. So I guess the thing is, is uh, social media thing is really getting out of, out of control. So I think it's more so um, the, the, the mental capacity because, hey, this is what's raising my kids. And so we don't show up. They have nothing, they have nothing to gauge themselves with. So, uh, well, I I also like I said I appreciate you, Brenda, and I just appreciate Damon and Heather and and Kayla and everybody that that works outside of what you know we do as members um, to make everything work together as a team. As a well-running car, yeah, it's awesome. So thank you. Can I add something really quickly too? I have my hand raised, but I'm not sure if anybody can yes, see it. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. I forgot to mention. I also supervise a group of peer um, advocates who work with uh, people in the community, and they work under uh, healthcare services. So now they've now transitioned to be called the AHS Collaborative, these peer workers, there's eight of them. And they're working with the Complex Care Transitions and with Eastmont. And I also was thinking they would be a benefit to um, to this group as well in some type of capacity for the, for the participants. We call them participants and not patients. Um, so so I just wanted to add that. I forgot to add that on the on the list of, of other things that I'm working on, so. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, I think we are come to an end. Anyone else? Okay. What about comments? That was, those were your comments. comments. Okay, uh, here's my comment. <laughs> um, as I was saying earlier um, about the idea of coming up with strategies um, for um, to try to make patients feel more comfortable when it comes to filing for Medi-Cal or SSI or whatever that may be. Um, I, my, um, I don't, I don't have any specific idea in mind, but I, I would like to put it on uh, as an ongoing agenda item. agenda item that we, from time to time, at least within the next six months of this of this extended uh, cycle, that that we actually talk about it and see if we can come up with other ideas and strategies 
that might be uh, doable and, and more importantly, that they're practical as well in application. That's my second thing. My, my third thing, which was spurred by something on the agenda today, was about um, the, the self-pay report, is I'd like to hear back from a financial about what's, where we are at in the mean testing of, of, of the new billing system between us and the state and whether we've adopted, whether our program has adopted or the hospitals adopted um, that as a trial run. Because as I understand it, if we did adopt it, uh, it would be a trial run. And, and there would be at some point we would have to commit totally but not at first, if I understand that. And if that's the case, I'd like to know where we are, um, where we are in that process. So I'd like to have that for the next agenda is uh, what's new in the bill pay area. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Mark. Okay, so I'm calling the meeting adjourned at 7.10. Thank you all. Mm -hmm.